It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Film Festival Radio Show this week with me, Janice Malone. And uh, things are hot. Yeah, things are hot everywhere. But I think things are hotter the most in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, they've got a big old McNasty strike going on. The actors, the writers, oh, do tell. We don't know how this one is going to end, but as with everything here, it's all about money. It's just follow the money trail. That's what, you know, that's what it's all about. But anyway, let's talk about our show here. We've got two guests for this week's show. Really cool people. Our first guest is, you know him. If you're a fan of American Ninja Warrior show on NBC, you know the weatherman. Yes, Joe Morovsky will be chatting with us to tell us what it's all about competing in season 15 of American Ninja Warrior. And Joe and the rest of them will be in action Monday night, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern and Pacific, right here on our NBC affiliates and all of your NBC affiliates around the world who are listening to us. So anyway, Joe will be talking to us about what it's like competing in season 15. He's been there since season five, by the way. And we also, a very special treat our last half hour, we will be talking to singer, recording artist, and songwriter, and musician, Gloria Jones. How many of you out there, if you're old enough, remember the song, the original song, Tainted Love? I think it was done in like 63, 64, somewhere along in there. And Gloria was the original singer to record Tainted Love. And of course, over the years, so many other artists uh, have recorded the song as well. In this generation, uh, Kelly Clarkson recorded it, Marilyn Manson. It's a perfect song for Marilyn Manson and his kind of, you know, his style. But anyway, Gloria will be here telling us about a brand new documentary project that will be, it's a film released in London in September, and she's a part of that. She'll tell us her part of all of that on uh, singer, songwriter, producer, musician, Mark Bolan. And he is uh, credited with being the creator of the glam rock music genre. And remember uh, his group, Gloria was a part of it, uh, T-Rex, get it. Bang a gong, get it on, bang a gong, that song, that Mark Boland. So they're doing a whole documentary about his life and his music. And so uh, it will be seen again over in London starting in September. So Gloria is going to give us some details about that project in addition to some new music that she is working on and other projects that she's working on over in Sierra Leone, Africa. So it's a lot to talk about. So, okay, stay tuned. Just sit tight, get you an iced tea, a martini or whatever, and listen to us while you cool down and we'll be back with our first guest, the weatherman, Joe Morovsky from American Ninja Warrior. We'll be right back. (music) 
Okay, we are back here. I thought we were going to have more time to uh, share an audition or two with you, but that's not the case. We'll make up for it next show. But right now, I want to introduce you to a young man who really needs no intro. He is Joe Morovsky, the weatherman on American Ninja Warrior. Joe has been competing on the show This is season 15. I think Joe started in season five. And so he and the rest of the American Ninja Warriors will be in action again Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific time right here on NBC. And uh, I had the opportunity to chat with Joe yesterday in between all of the busyness that he's doing, competing. He's being, he's a real life uh, weatherman at Channel 12 back in his home state in Connecticut there, but he does so many other things things uh, in competition, and he's very popular. And he is one of my favorite competitors on American Ninja Warriors. So let's roll it with my chat with the weatherman, Joe Morovsky from American Ninja Warrior. Let's roll it. All right, Janice, you have Joe on the line. Well, good afternoon, Joe. Hello, hello. Well, this is a real treat for me, Joe, because I am such a longtime fan, not only of American Ninja Warrior, but also for you as well. You're one of my favorite competitors on the show, so I'm so Uh happy to chat with you. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, okay. Here we are, Joe. You are and the rest of your fellow competitors, Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific time. Qualifying continues. You are in the quali- one of the qualifiers. So you've been doing this since season five. We're at season 15. Is this getting any easier or is it more? What is it doing for you nowadays? Um, it's a great question. You know, I don't, I don't, it's getting easier only because I'm getting stronger. I'm, I'm more used to uh, what to expect, things of that nature. Um, but, you know, the obstacles are getting harder and the competition itself, the competitors are getting smarter and stronger as well. So, you know, it is tough. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel more confident, stronger than ever before. So that's always the goal, you know. So for this season, for season 15, I see that uh, the Mega Warp wall is even taller, is growing up here. And so how what what particular obstacle is bugging you this season? What particular obstacle? What was that? Which particular obstacle is, is really bugging you and getting on your nerves for this season? Oh, I mean, the Warp wall is always, um, <laughs> you know, the... The most challenging one, especially me, at six inches higher. You know, going into qualifiers, I was frustrated already. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and it's just six inches higher, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously, the obstacle I fell on um, on Monday, that was that was frustrating. You know, that um, backwards move is, is very tough. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't just get it perfect... You make that mistake, you fall in the water, and it just happens that fast, you know? So what do you think about the, the new uh, head-to-head runoff races? I like it. I think it's a good equalizer, you know, because this sport is all about, you know, trying to challenge every bit of you, right? It's, it's about test, testing your agility, testing your strength, testing your endurance. 
uh, testing your just abilities all around. You know, so to have a race is now testing your ability to stay cool under like some pretty substantial pressure and having to put the envelope. You know what I mean? And I like that because I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, that is. so I have no issue with it. I was excited when I heard about it because I thought it was going to be very much catered to my strength. Um, but I mean, we still have to see. Now the course is uh, that semifinals course yet to be seen. So we'll see. Well, as everyone knows, you are also known as the weatherman, and you are still holding it down as the weatherman in your city there in in the Connecticut area, Channel 12. Uh, So when you're out, when you're out in in the world with your family, are you more known as the weatherman or known as the Ninja Warrior Champion contestant? (laughs) That's funny because, you know, when people recognize me on public, the first thing they they end up saying, and this I would say this is true about seventy five percent of the time, is they don't say, "Hey, it's Joe Morosi." They end up saying, "Hey, it's the weatherman." <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it has to do with my time at New Twelve. I really do think it's just the nickname that has stuck with me for all these years. You know, it's so unique, um, and uh, you know, it, it just kind of it's funny, right? Because my first time so people thought that it was just going to be another novelty act some funny, you know, news guy coming on and, you know, the host, Matt Ockbar, like poke fun at me and then we'll see you later. You know, but I'm a very serious athlete and I think that's what caught everyone off guard. I'm sure even the producers. Um, and that's kind of why I think I've been invited back year after year is because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively relatable, right? Just, I was a normal guy with a regular job. Well, maybe not so regular of a job, but you know, it just, you know, I wasn't really a, a ninja like all these other people. Um, and I kind of just came on <clears throat> onto the scene and uh, surprised everybody. So I think the weatherman nickname is just, <laughs> unfortunately, I think who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Just, I'm always going to be known as the weatherman, which is fine. There are worse things to be to be called. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Is this a good title? Is it, well, have you, have your, yeah. your success with Ninja Warrior, have you inspired and motivated other TV weathermen across the country? <clears throat> you know what? I have got, I have received messages from, you know, college kids that are like, oh, I, I love the show and I'm going to be a meteorologist too. You know, it's so cool that we're doing the same thing. So I'm sure I've brought more attention to what a weatherman really does. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows? I, I've got such amazing fans, and I've had people reach out to me from all walks of life telling me either, you know, I inspired them to get up off the couch or I inspired them to gain their life in some way. And I think that's so cool and so um, amazing to hear because, you know, in those moments where, let's say, I'm not sure if I'm going to come back, whether it's due to, you know, the, the stresses of competing or maybe it's just, you know, I've been doing this 10 years. I've thought about maybe it's time, you know? But then I, I remember those those times I've met people that I, I've just changed their lives in some way. And it's just too great of a a thing to let go at this point, especially since I'm at the top of my game. You know what I mean? There's not many athletes that walk away at the, at the very top. They try to ride it out as long as they can while they're up there. And so I feel like I'm still among some of the top uh, in this sport. 
And I, I just, as long as I have the ability to continue, I don't see why I can stop. Oh, I agree. Totally agree with you on that one. So, okay. Okay. Like you said, you've been doing this for 10 seasons. So far, what's been your most challenging season of comp- competition on this show? Oh, by far, season eight. Um, because season eight was the first year I had my, my first child, uh, Emily. And I just, my body did not know how to handle kids. You know, I remember we had her in December. I competed on the show in March and it was just like, it was awful. I, I didn't know how to manage my sleep. I didn't know how to manage uh, staying awake when I had to stay awake. It was just so rough. And I remember getting to the Vegas finals and I actually beat state one and it was shocked because I was so tired <clears throat> that I felt like I was sleeping through the whole course. And I got to the end, I hit the buzzer and I ended up walking over to the edge of the platform, looking down at the water. And I just sat down. I remember sitting down, looking down, and just laughing because I was like, I can't believe I just beat that course in this mental state that I'm in right now. And I just, I think I even laid down after that. I put my head back and laid down on the platform. It was hilarious. So that was, that was by far the, the hardest season for me. Uh, and then, you know, uh, continuing that trend, every year after that I had a child, it was also a very difficult year because, you know, adding more responsibility to my life. Uh, and, and things of that nature on top of the sleep uh, deprivation. It's rough. Um, but now, hey, I work it. I'm almost three years into having our final child, and I'm managing sleep and everything very well. I feel like I'm back and better than ever, and it's going to be about not making mistakes. Well, you're showing the world you are better than ever. So, okay, now how does this work, Joe? Okay, this, when, whenever the season is over, you you are all in addition to being the weatherman, you're also uh, a parkour coach, gymnastic coach at Stanford Ninja Academy. How do you have time? What is your training schedule like for Ninja Warrior? Well, that's the nice thing about you know working in a gym, right? I, I've temporarily walked away from the meteorology. I'm, I'm full-time managing a gym in Stanford, Connecticut, Stanford Ninja Academy. And, you know, because of that, I'm able to train at night. So when I'm done working, I know it's, it's tough, uh, you know, to work all day and then to have to save some energy to train at night. It's tough. Um, but fortunately, I have an incredible uh, business partner and, and owner of the gym, Tom, who has pretty much agreed to let me train with the adult sessions at night. Uh, so when what ends up happening is at 7.30 when we have our adults come in, uh, I'm obviously working. I'm on the clock. I'm, I'm monitoring and coaching adults that come in, but I'm also allowed to train. And so it kind of builds two birds with one stone, right? I'm able to train, but at the same time, inspire the adults around me and sometimes demotivate because I'm doing some things that they're like, how is he doing this? So they're just sitting there with their mouths open like, okay, well, I can't do that. Which is fine, though. You know, sometimes we need somebody to push ourselves. And uh, I've, I've been in the gym where I'm the best, and then I've been in the gym where I'm not the best. And uh, to be on both sides of it, it's always better to have somebody to look up to than it is to be at the top. Um, because to be the one to have to push yourself, it's sometimes really hard to do. You know, I try to think about, uh, you know, some of these pro basketball players or football players or baseball players. You know, when they're at the top of the game, and let's say they're, they're better than the teammates around them, sometimes you need somebody better than you to push you. Right. And so, uh, it, it gets tough. Uh, thankfully I would say I'm not the best at the gym. It depends on the week, I suppose. 
Um, but it's nice because we have a good balance of talent in the gym. And uh, like I said, Tom, the owner, is just he's incredibly gracious and great and uh, just a great um, partner to, to allow me to do what I do. And finally, uh, American Ninja Warrior now has these youngsters, these little whippersnappers, 15 years old, uh, probably were in pam- pampers when you first started in season five. So what's it like competing with these these kids? I mean, just like I said, it's great because a lot of these 30-year-olds that were on the show 10 years ago when they were in their 20s, like I was, you know, they they've moved on. You know, they have decided, you know what, this is not for me anymore. Maybe they just can't keep up. And that's fine. I understand that. You know, I've been in a good position where I'm able to, uh, you know, continue training, like I said, with my, um, my business situation. So having these teenagers come up, has actually been a blessing. Sure. It's tough because they're so incredible. Uh, and they make this, they, they've raised the bar yeah. so much. Um, I'm talking like, from what we used to do back in season five, season six, we're doing things probably twice as hard now. I would honestly say it's twice as difficult as it used to be um, back, you know, when I first started. So for them to raise the bar that much, I've had to push myself beyond what I thought I can do as well. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the nice thing about this sport. You have people that are always pushing you. And, and so I enjoy their presence. I enjoy the athleticism and the talent I bring to the show and to the sport. And I'm thankful because without them, I, you know, I, I said this all the time to Jay, because when Jay would say was training with me at the gym prior to going to college, um, you know, I was like, Jay, without you, man, I don't know if I'd be able to train just on my own. I don't have the motivation anymore to just get up and do the pulse I have to do or, or get up and do the course runs that I have to do to be successful in the show. So to have these guys training with me uh, is a huge uh, perk, huge perk. Well, all of you, competitors you make it look easy i know it's not and you guys really make it so entertaining it again an american ninja warrior remains as one of my favorite athletic competition shows and joe is is people like you that keep me and others millions of others watching you all of you and so you'll be in action again again monday night july 17th 8 p.m eastern and pacific on NBC, American Ninja Warrior. And I also want to tell everybody, Joe, tell everybody about your website and where they can get gear and all of that information about you. Well, I kept it nice and simple, although my last name is not the easiest to spell, uh, but it's just my first and last name, JoeMorofsky.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, the same, you know, Joe Morofsky, same thing with uh, Twitter and TikTok and Facebook, all at Joe Morofsky. So it's all in one spot. It's my first and last name, super easy. Super easy. And you got some really good looking t-shirts, by the way, on their website for people who are really into t-shirts. Thank like you. Me. So <laughs> the new design this year. New design. Oh, they're it's, it's awesome. Really cool. Because I'm a real t-shirt person. So I think I'm gonna place an order. Yeah, got to. You're the best. I knew I liked you. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, again, we'll see you in action Monday night on um I wish I could say it the way uh the announcers on America's Ninja Warrior. <laughs> On American Ninja Warrior. That's it. That's it. So, <laughs> so thank you. We'll see you Monday night. All right. Thank you so much. You're the best. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. 
That song is, of course, Tainted Love, and it was a big hit. I believe it was 1964 when that version was recorded. And the lady who is singing that song on that version is the one and only Gloria Jones, and she is our featured guest. This song has gone on to be recorded by some of the biggest names in music, pop, soul, R&B, just so many people have recorded it in our generation. Uh, Marilyn Manson recorded his version. Uh, Kelly Clarkson even did her version of the song. Just a long list of people. But again, the original one is Gloria Jones. And so she is going to be our featured guest for this, the remainder of the show. And I had the opportunity to chat with her when she was here in Vegas. She was visiting. And uh, so much that we're going to be talking about. To begin with, uh, she has some new music coming up in a few weeks that she's going to talk to us about, and we're going to we're going to bring her back on the show in a few weeks to hear that new music, and she's going to tell us about a new documentary on the music and the life of Mark Bolan, and that documentary will be released over in London. I'm sure it's going to be eventually all over the world, but its world premiere will be done in London in September, and Gloria is going to tell us her uh, participation in that new documentary. And you know, of course, Mark Bolan, he had so many hit singles uh, during, what, the 70s, 80s, I believe. I I could have that wrong. Gloria can straighten me out. But uh, he also is uh, the creator of the glam rock music genre. Remember his band, uh, T-Rex, Bang a Gong, Get It On, Bang a Gong? Yeah, well, Gloria was a part of that band as well. So we have a lot to talk about. So I am delighted to bring to you my recent interview just a few days ago with the very talented Gloria Jones as we talk about her career and upcoming projects that will continue her fabulous music career. So let's roll it right now. Okay, listeners, once again, I have my next guest on board here at Film Festival Radio Show. She is a beautiful and talented lady. She's become famous throughout the world and is a part of pop music culture for her beautiful singing voice and music talents, especially for the classic pop song, Tainted Love. Please welcome recording artist Gloria Jones. Hi, Miss Gloria. Well, hello, Miss Dennis, and thank you and your listeners. Um, I must tell you, I'm just honored to be speaking with you and uh, to be in your wonderful city of Las Vegas. Well, we are delighted to have a wonderful person in a wonderful city, so it's a good match there, isn't it? Wow. Well, Miss Gloria, you have maintained uh, your music, I should say, and you, of course, uh, your package deal there. And, you you know, a foothold, as I said, in pop culture. Uh, we'll, we'll start now and work our way back. But as I said at the beginning, you are the first uh, recording artist to record the classic song, Tainted Love. 
I just can't believe I'm actually talking to you. Because how much we all have loved that song. <laughs> well, Janice, I must tell you that in 1964, I was in the studio in Los Angeles. So I had recorded the song, Come Go With Me. And then Ed Cobb said, Gloria, I want you to try this song, Tainted Love. And I was like, Tainted Love? So the word offended me because it sounded like it was vulgar and I never heard of Tainted. Isn't that something? And, and all of a sudden he said, no, no, try this song. But Janice, I must tell you, I didn't want to sing the song. So then I said, well, Ed, I need to change the melody to fit my voice. So he said, okay. He says, well, how would you do that? And then I began to sing Tainted Love, the one that you fell in love with. Oh. And that was having that experience of the church and being a gospel singer with the late Billy Preston at the right of the Honeycombs, one ad, Sandra Williams, Andre and Sandra Crouch, and Frankie Carl, who started the group. We were the teenage wonders. At that time, Billy was only 12. I was 13. So I still had that gospel influence in my soul. So when I sang Tainted Love, I added, I changed the melody, and I added the gospel flavor. So quite naturally, that was new to the pop culture. And so remind everyone about the the real true meaning of the song Tainted Love, because I didn't know what it was really about. I just, you know, you just love a song. You don't listen. You're just like, oh, I love that song. So tell everybody about the song. What is it about? What is it about? Well, it's actually, it was a couple that loved each other very much, but the one of the mates was not being quite so honest and sincere in the relationship. And so their love became tainted, which means it became better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure yourself, the word tainted would sound very vulgar. Yes. To uh, to a young person. And so then uh, some of the lyrics are, don't touch me, please. I cannot stand the way you feed. So there's like a love and hate. And, and for me, being a teenager, you know, you were so aware of being a, a wife and having, you know, being a virgin before you married and the song told me again everything that I was taught in life. But look at it to this day. Softdale, they were a young group in England, and the guy was actually the clerk in the cloakroom. And um, there was a 60s party that evening. So the DJ put my version of Tainted Love on. Well, Mark Alman heard that song and he asked the DJ to give him a copy on a cassette tape. So when he gave him the cassette tape, he went to London the next day and they recorded the Bob Felder's 
Well, that is some good backstory history there. There's some really good stuff there. Well, did you did you ever meet the original songwriters for the song? Yes, Ed Cobb. Ed Cobb was actually a member of the Four Traps. So, you know, they were the do-the-wop, do-the-wop type groups. And I got into the industry when it was very still pop and uh, the Beach Boys and, you know, the clean-cut American guys. And um, so then the Motown music came about and so it started changing the sound of America. So there was a lot of change. But Ed Cobb wrote a song for Rinda Holloway called Every Little Bit Hurts. My mom loved that and song. Be- yes. <laughs> and, but before that song, Janice, he wrote Love Letters Straight From Your Heart. Oh, my. What a talented, <laughs> what a talented songwriting is concerned. And oh, he was goodness. amazing. And he was from... Just a, a tall, good-looking, blonde, and very clean-cut from Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness. Never would have thought. Oklahoma, all this soul. <laughs> Never would have ever thought. Oklahoma. Oh, no, not Oklahoma. Maybe New York City. Maybe Los Angeles. Maybe London. <laughs> not Oklahoma. <laughs> I know, amazing. Yes, but, Dennis, I just wanted to tell you that it is so wonderful for you to share this history with your listeners because you have you're you're younger than uh, my manager and I, Christopher Berger, out of Switzerland, but giving us the chance to share with you the history when while we're still alive, you know. Absolutely. Now I understand if I have my facts straight here. Lots and lots and lots of other recording artists have, of course, recorded Tainted Love. But up to this generation, is it Kelly Clarkson and also Marilyn Manson? Did they record their versions? Yes, yes. And and especially uh, uh, Manson. Oh, I love that guy. You know, he's a black guy. Yes. But he's saying, oh, I love his version. In fact, I I, I don't know because I'm a black guy, but... I love his version, you know. Okay, I can I can deal with that because it is different. It's still the same song, but it's that different style. And uh, just so many people have recorded. I guess we'd be here all day uh, yes. going down that list. But you were not finished as far as hit songs because you went on to uh, be a part of Mark Boland's uh, glam rock band, T-Rex, Bang a gong, get it on. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what's really wonderful there is that in 1968, I was in the cast of Hair in Los Angeles, and uh, Macy of the DTOs, which was Frank Zappa's background group, was having a party, and Joe Bryant said, "Gloria, please come." to this party and meet Mark Boland. And I was like, surprised. I said, you know, I still have to be doing hair and going to the studios and just trying to, you know, make a living to take care of my family. And he said, no, please come. He said, this is, this guy is going to be one of the biggest stars. So Janice, I went to the party. I'm playing on the piano, a gospel song. And in comes Mark Boland. 
At that time, they were Tyrannosaurus Rex. They had just signed to A&M Records. So he comes in, and he's come on this flying cape, beautiful eyes with mascara and high heels and glam rock, you understand? Mm -hmm. And he looks at me on the piano as if to say, well, I think you should get off because the star has arrived. And I felt the energy, so... I got up from the piano and I followed him into the kitchen. Well, Jobriath had two beautiful Afghan dogs. This was during the time of hippies and love and peace. Love your animals. So the dog sniffed on Mark and Mark kicked the dog to death. Oh my God, oh, when no. in Hollywood, can you imagine? So then I said to him, I said, well, do you go around picking people's dogs? He said, yes, particularly if they're going to sniff on me. And I just ended up following him that night to that party. Never said a word. He never said a word to me. 1972, I returned off tour with Joe Cocker. And I get a phone call uh, to gather some girls and to go and to be interviewed by T-Rex. And Janice, I walked through the door. I saw him. He saw me. And it was love at first sight, but we didn't go over the line. And we traveled with him and became his new sound. And I started playing actually with the band as a clavinet player. But I want to tell you what a wonderful artist and someone who didn't find color and didn't find problems with anything. He started mixing disco with some of his rock things. And that's where Boy George came up with his style. He said he was so influenced by Mark mixing the different cultures. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That is amazing. And of course, you know, we all love Boy George and his style and music, of course. And uh, once again, you were a part of a part, another hit song. I mean, when you when you guys recorded uh, Bang a Gong, did you know as an artist? Do you just sometimes know? I know this is going to be a hit song. Did you know as you were putting it together, or what? Well, well, with Mark regarding Bang a Gong, he had other girl, uh, Madeline Bell, because he had recorded several background sounds on that song, but he did choose the British uh, background behind that one. But the girls in uh, America, we ended up actually developing that sound that went on to television, and that's where people started hearing the different sounds that he was putting on. But as a hit song, I believe Mark knew that Banga Gong was going to be one of his largest records. Now, he had another song that was called Hot Love. And that song sold 37 million just in one country. My goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, Janice, I, let me tell you, can I tell you? Excuse me, sure. Go on, because no, I have something to tell you after you tell me. No, 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 go right ahead. Go right ahead. And Roman Bolton and Mark on the air will be releasing his 
father documentary film to the cinemas in London, England in September. And it's so ironic you would bring that topic up because that was my next question here. Tell us about this new documentary that's coming up. Oh my goodness, this is so exciting. This documentary is featuring songs of the late Mark Bowman. It's called um, uh, heavy, heavy Metal Hipsters, the Songs of Mark Bowman. And they have different uh, stars performing them. Joan Jett, they have um, Ringo speaking of Mark, they have um, Bono, they have um, a, a lot of uh, Broadway stars. And Janice, I'm going to, you're the first to have this, you and your listeners. I'm going to have all of that information for you. Well, thank you so much. And so you said this will be, the documentary will be released in September, premiering in London. Is it uh, on a network or is it theaters, movie theaters or what? Movie theaters. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And his son, I'm so proud of Roman. You know, he, he's, hopefully um, in September, we'll be able to, to introduce you before then. The role, but he is such an incredible young man, very humble and very gentle, and very much, um, very much like his dad, because his father was uh, not a real big man, but he was, he was he had power. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Mark was around maybe five six in height. Okay. But if you didn't know him, you would thought he was six you know, six one or something because he's very horrible with his opinions and things, but very also very open. And this documentary will share this with you. I cannot wait to see it. I love musical documentaries. Uh I understand that you were part of the Oscar winning documentary, Twenty Feet from Stardom. That's probably so far, that is probably my favorite music documentary about the recording industry. And you know what else, Gloria, is so ironic. That year that uh, 20 Feet from Stardom won the Oscar, well, I was living in Nashville at the time. And so locally, because as you well know, Nashville has so many session recording artists, background singers just forever. And so they had a special screening and and panel discussions about 20 Feet from Stardom. And they had a lot of background singers from uh, Winona Judd and just so many uh, Sweet Home Alabama ladies who were saying background. And they asked me to host and moderate the event for that evening. And I was so thrilled. Oh, my God. Oh, congratulations. Yes. That's wonderful. I was so delighted. It was such a good Doc, it just was. So so tell everybody your your input on that. Okay. Uh, at that time, I was on my way returning to Sierra Leone, West Africa. And um, we're building the Mark Boland School of Music and Film oh, there. The yeah. Child Soldiers in 2006 
uh, Roman came to visit me, and they asked him if the, he would build a school for them, a music school, because they had been child soldiers, and they wanted to place the guns and ammunitions playing guitars. Quite naturally, I didn't know, because children, they speak to young people, you see. So I'm in Sierra Leone. I come home, and Rudy Calvo calls me and says, Gloria, please, can you come and speak uh, on this documentary? And I said, Rudy, I said, my flight's in the morning. I said, but I will go. If they can come in early, I will go give an interview, and I'll head straight to the airport. Janet, I said to the director, I said, understand that we have given you our heart. And he said, really? I said, yes. I said, for one, the executive director deal was in the industry when we were all coming up together. He used to drive cars for Nat King Cole at Capitol at 19 years old, and he was studying music at UCLA. He went on to A&M to become a big uh, publishing executive there. And so when he wanted to do this documentary, Darlene Love, myself, Edna, all of the girls that were involved, gave our hearts. Janice, I knew it was going to win an Oscar. Wow. And it did just that. I was cheering so loud when they called that Oscar out for 20 feet from stardom because I had already, of course, seen the the press bleeding of it. And when it won, I was just almost in tears. I was so, because it's so good. It is so, if people, for those who are listening, if you love pop culture, you need to, if you haven't seen it, go buy it, stream it, whatever they're doing to it. Go see 20 Feet from Stardom, please. It's just the best. Oh, thank you, because that that makes, you know, you have me in fear there because you could feel the love, you know, and 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 not criticism and mm-hmm. I tell you let me tell you something else, Janice, you're gonna have a lot of good things. Billy Preston's documentary is coming out. Really? When is that this year? Oh my goodness, you're kidding me. Okay, now what I think, um, from what I'm told by one of the producers there, Tony Jones, is that we're looking at maybe the first of next year, but mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's gonna sneak out. Janet, if if you went, if if you were emotional about 20 feet, I don't know what you're going to do with Billy Preston. I don't either. Uh, I'm a little bit too young to just totally remember everything. Uh, I mean, we've all heard Willie go around in circles on everything from TV ads, (laughs) just everywhere. But I just remember because I have come from a a Pentecostal church family myself, and I just remember stories that he grew up as a boy in the church, in the Black Gospel Church, as a pianist, organist, all of that. He loved God. Mm -hmm. This young man, when he was 13 years old, I was 14, and he had gone on tour with Little Richard. Oh, wow. And um, the, there was a young group from England that was opening for Little Richard, and Billy came back and he told me, he said, Gloria, this group is going to be so big. He said they wear these funny haircuts and blah, 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 blah. And that was before they were named the Beatles. So on that tour, John Lennon wanted 
to meet Little Richard. But Little Richard was older and not really available. So John and Billy became best friends, and that's how Billy became the fifth Beatle. But what I wanted to share with you, when Billy would come back from any of those big concerts, even as a child, first thing he did was to go to church, play the organ. He loved God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could tell. It just, you know, I've seen so many video clips of him. Just such a talented, talented young man. Loved all over the world. His music was loved everywhere. I cannot wait to see that one. I'm going to jump on it and find the producers and like put my name at the top of the list now. <laughs> and you that is going to be your baby. And they have oh they've got Mick Jagger, they have and Eric Clapton. Oh man. Just he was, he was in tears when he spoke of Billy. He loved him so much. Oh, that's so sweet. I cannot wait. I'm just so happy that these documentaries <laughs> are being made. And so yeah. uh and that will swing it back around. So September, the Mark Boland documentary will be premiering in London. Is that correct? Yes, uh, we're we're looking at September the twenty third. But as I said, in the history alive, my my friend, I I just can't wait to meet you in person. And you just encouraged me so much with twenty feet for stardom. And I want to tell you, we have a new tainted love coming out with Gloria Jones. We have the Mark Bolin School of Music and Film. You're going to have your future guest Roland Bolin and. You're, and you've got Billy Preston in your arms right now. Yes, I do. Well, Miss Gloria, you have given me two arms full of information to look forward to. Great music. Um, okay, any projected date about exactly what month the, your new Tainted Love will be coming out and the opening of the school in Sierra Leone? Okay. Um, we are... And the foundation stage of the school in Sierra Leone, we hope to open in January of 2024. Oh, that's very soon. Yes. And um, and then the Tainted Love should be ready in about three weeks. And you will be the first to have that. Well, you, as well. you are more than welcome to come back and we will play the entire latest version and just bring you back to talk about uh, the making of the 2023 version of Tainted Love, as well as give us the update on, you know, well, the film was coming, what, let's see, three weeks. That's almost August. That's about August. <laughs> yes, it's about August. Yeah. But I, I guess what I would like to thank you. And when I said about the Billy Preston, because you knew of his background, and we're also Pentecostal, and my dad was 64 years as a Pentecostal minister. So when you said to me, that's why I extended Billy yes. his, his, his love and his devotion and, and loving God, because so many yes. people didn't know that when this young man would come off stage, I'm telling you, then the first place he went was to the church so he could pray. Isn't that sweet? That's that's going to be a good doc. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Just yeah. And I just want to thank you. You know, I hope I didn't talk too much, but you inspired me. So I, I was really uh, just ready, you know. 
Well, no, you did not talk too much at all. I'm just, you know, hanging on every word. I mean, I love, you know, pop culture, and I love hearing the backstories, uh, the making of songs and old TV shows and films. When I talk to people who were actually a part of it, I just want to know everything. I'm just naturally nosy, and it shows, and I have no shame uh, because I'm tacky that way. (laughs) Anyway... But I'll tell you, Miss Gloria, this has been such a delight. Thank you so much for taking the time while you're visiting us here in Vegas to chat with me. I look forward to having you back on in about the next three or four weeks or so. Oh, I love it. And thank you very much. And um, Las Vegas keeps smiling because we love Las Vegas. I do, too. (laughs) Yes, we all love our Vegas here. (laughs) And uh, we will see you by the uh, end of this month or the beginning of August. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, let's just thank you for for your encouraging uh, topic because Mark Boland, uh, uh, Billy Preston, mm-hmm. Joe Cocker, you know, there we were called the sanctified sisters. <laughs> yes, and rightfully so, too. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Janice. Absolutely. And hopefully you'll come to Sierra Leone one day. I would love it. My bags stay packed at all times. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Absolutely. I'm honored, believe me. Okay. Okay, Miss Gloria. Tell me the story. I understand this is a really interesting story about the the northern sailor that that was uh, on on dock, and he had a copy of Tainted Love. Tell us about that. I know I'm mixing it all up, but straighten me out on that. Well, what happened is that um, this young sailor they adopted in Liverpool, and um, he wanted a cigarette, so he saw this young kid coming in. He said, I am a 45 record here. I'll give to you. Uh, if you give me a cigarette. So, you know, the boy's about 15, 16 years old, so he gives him a cigarette. And um, so the young lad goes straight to the social club, and they put painted love on. The floor went crazy. It became like their anthem. And to this day, I am still considered the queen of Northern Soul. Oh, my goodness. You've got to be kidding me. What a cool story. That is so cool. It's amazing. I go to their conventions, and they they bring their records for me to autograph. And sometimes if I'm sitting down having breakfast, they're like, there she is. You know, I mean, it's like, (laughs) it's it's, it's just amazing. You know, I mean, but I tell you something, Janet. I won't hold you, but I'll tell you this. Mark kept saying to me in the early 70s, he kept seeing the song on the chart in England. And he said, is this your song? And I was like, yeah. He says, well, well, who is this Gloria Jones? I said, no, that's me. And so he said, that's when he started calling me Dream Gloria Jones. Because he said, this this record has been on the charts for years and years and years. And do you know something, Janet? When I met the record executive at Needham in the south of France, and I said to them, could you buy me a dinner? They said, oh, no. 
I said, why not? They said, you're still paying for your recording session. What? Oh. I, oh, my goodness. And he wasn't kidding. So I just thought I had to tell you and to tell young people out there, don't give up no matter what. If it's music that you love and you want to pursue, do it with all of your heart. And then when you love it, you can still be at my age, still enjoying, you know, meeting people and having the pleasure to meet you, Janice Malone. And, you know, this is what life is all about. You know, that I'm able to share these stories with you. And they're from my heart. Definitely so. What a delightful lady Gloria is. So enjoyed speaking with her to just hear about uh, the the, you know, just the highlight of some of her uh, highs and lows and excitement and what have you of uh, having such a long career in the music industry there. So we plan on bringing her back as we discussed uh, to talk more about her new music that she's been working on and also more details about the upcoming documentary that will be released in London about the life and music of Mark Bullen. So we'll be looking forward to that. So We are out of time for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Thank you to Gloria Jones, our our second guest, and our first guest, uh, Joe Moravsky, American Ninja Warrior Champion. Joe and the rest of the people will be in competition again Monday night, 8 o'clock Eastern and Pacific Time on American Ninja Warrior on NBC. So make sure you check it out and cheer, especially cheer Joe on. He's one of my favorites. So we'll see you guys next edition, next show, next Saturday. Have a great rest of the weekend and an even more fun and safe next week. So we'll see you next Saturday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio. With your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Ooh.